sometimes trust is very easy for us because we've been through the process so many times and we have laws that are functioning in our behalf. And God has created laws by which the universe runs. And so when we're in those frameworks that the laws are assisting us, then, you know, things, the percentage really goes up. But then when we come to those, those elements in life that there's really no natural laws that we can connect with. And we're having to go ahead and trust in a spiritual law. It's called the law of the spirit. The law of the spirit of life. It's that law that where we're totally dependent upon the life giver. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. And then he moves and says, and lean not to your own understanding. How many know that the first thing that happens when, you know, an issue or something takes place, your understanding tries to take over. It tries to do the calculation. It tries to do the evaluating. It tries to give you the answer in the steps. Now, God's not saying bypass your mind. No. But there are times. He said, you're going to have to lay down your understanding. And you're going to have to trust. Trust his love. Beautiful, Scott. Phenomenal. An announcement. Hallelujah. And that confession that we made. Thank you, Shelby, because that is not just for you, that's for the church, because the rain will start to fall when we really start to trust more fully. See, he says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. I trust him, (laughs) you know what I mean? But sometimes, you know, it's not completely. So Father, we want to thank you today that you are, are, have started a faith work in us. And God, we're at somewhere along the road in that development. And each of us at different stages of it, but we thank you for the progress. We want to reach the point to where the rain falls. And you have went ahead and told us that the thunder of trust will bring the rain, hallelujah, of whatever the need might be. We give you praise for it. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Give a lot of praise. And we'll let the kids go to classes now at this time. I know they got to go to class. Uh, It is what it is. I hate to lose anybody, but it is what it is. You may be seated. Let me just uh, uh, talk about this church event and uh, target date. And, and, you know, this is the date that we'd like to do uh, because, but if you, uh, you know, if it doesn't work for everybody, then we'll have to 
kind of change it up. But what are we doing? Well, God, you know, began to tell us that, that we have five generations at any time, at a given place, that, you know, that are functioning in the same world. And it doesn't take too much time in conversation to find out that, that uh, the difference in the interpretation that would come from each of those generations regarding any given element that, that, that happens, all right? And because we want, we want to be a generational church, all generations, and not just one generation telling the other generation what to do and how to do it, and you live by our rules till you get to be the, you know, be the one and only, so to speak. So we we felt, you know, to try to find a platform that we could engage one another. And all the generations. That's why we, we, we really want, you know, a, a, a full participation. And we're trying to make it interesting, but we have a goal. You know, it's going to be fellowship, but then it's going to be insightful. And this will be just the first step. It's, it's, it's you know what I mean? It's, it's just laying the groundwork for it. And... Uh, uh, as you can see, you know, the, what we're going to do in, in, in the movie that we're going to watch, and then we're going to discuss it. want to get each one's take, or to, and eventually where we're working as a team. Because historically, the church has not been good at working with generational teams, in generational teams. It passes to the next generation, you know, a lot without preparation. A lot without preparation. And so we're, we're doing our best. So this is going to be our first try. And, and uh, you know, uh, I, I commend Gordy. I, he, 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 you heard me say what we wanted to do, and, and he's put some legs on it for, so we can get started here. And uh, uh, so there it is. Let's do it. Gordy. I was just going to say, I would encourage at least junior high enough, and uh, you'd have to decide with your own children. Thank you, Gordy. Yeah. The topic uh, deal with abortion. Uh, there's nothing graphic in it, but depending on how you feel about that topic with your own children, uh, I would say at least junior high and up would benefit from abortion. It's about forgiveness and healing. Amen. Thank you, Gordy, for filling that. You know, to find out how we can operate, how we can function, you know, uh, in how, how it will work in, for your generation. Help us to understand, you know, uh, the angle and the implementation of, of forgiveness and those things that, that you know, we would have a, I would have, uh, you know, uh, very church terminologies. And now those that we want to church, they wouldn't even understand those terminologies. And so we need a little help as, as the older set. And then hopefully 
as the younger set, you know, we have something that would be beneficial to you at the same time with the idea of creating, you know, uh, some, some amazing teams for the hour uh, that we're living in and, and the opportunity that is ours and yours. Amen? Because it's, it's not about the runner. It's about the baton. Much and most emphasis is placed on the runner. But it's about the baton. What has to cross the finish line? The baton. The baton. The runner can cross it if he doesn't have the baton. No recognition. No finalization. And so it's about the baton. And... You know, and that speaks of whatever it is that you and I were commissioned to carry. You know, whatever the race was about. And so uh, that's why we need to and we want to facilitate to the best of our ability in in, in going ahead here uh, uh, a platform for all generations, and particularly the younger generations that are going to, uh, uh, they are the workforce now. They can relate. Amen? Amen. So you, tell, you, you pray that God will help us, you know. And he is, he already is. I believe this is a platform, a beginning one. So praise God. Well, Father, thank you for your visit and your presence, your habitation in our lives and for the people that are here, for the plans that you have and for the glory that you have already revealed. And we look forward to tomorrow. We, we remember yesterday, but God, we know that life is always pointed toward the future. And uh, so we thank you for that. We bless your holy name. Amen. Well, obviously, I just come back from a conference, you know, uh, about a thousand people every night. Phenomenal. Uh, and some of the greatest preaching by young people that, you know, I have ever heard. And, and that irrespective of age, the insight, etc. First night was very simple, but it stuck. It was about God. He is. He knows, and there's more. And he preached about every given area. Second night, a young man preached, uh, if you want a miracle in your house, you're going to have to be willing to let your house be wrecked. Remember the, the lame man that had to be carried? You know? Had to be carried and... The house was full of people, and Jesus was even teaching, teaching the word. But in order for the miracle to get in the house, he had to be willing to let the house be wrecked. Yeah, sure, just like it. Excuse me, that was third night. Sorry. Second night. Heard the best, best lesson, lesson I've ever heard and the greatest insight I've ever heard on the role of the product of the elder son. I'm going to bring it up. I'm going to show it to you. Because I had surgery and healing all in one night. 
the role of the elder son brought it right up to Jesus, who is the elder brother, all right? Hallelujah. Well, we're glad we're here, you're here. And, I, you know, I hope I don't sound repetitious, but if I sound repetitious, you know, I'm going to keep repeating. God is awesome, and God has amazing things in store. Every generation, and, and I want to, you know, I'm a generation that, that already, quote, is, you know, or has been. But I want to see what God does. Because he said he's going to pour your spirit out on your sons and your daughters. You know? He said, I'm just going to break down all the, all the ranks and classes of people. Said the spirit is is he isn't going to care you know what your income is. Isn't going to care you know what I mean what what might be your, your nationality. Yeah. Said nobody's going to have a corner on this thing. He said I'm just going to go ahead and you know pour it out on everybody. Hallelujah. And so. I've experienced being one of those everybody's and I want to go ahead and see, you know, and watch it and be part of the everybody's as God just continues to do these wonderful things. Have faith in God. Have faith in God for your kids. God says, I'll do it for you. I'll do it for you. Last week, we talked about, just made mention just a little bit, how that, how that you know, faith gets passed on and, and, and how that... Faith in families look a lot alike. Paul said that the faith of Timothy looked a lot like his grandmother and his mother. Yeah. So we have a, a, you know, a responsibility, but also, you know, there's a great similarity that happens in our kids. And we want to, you know, attend to their faith attend to their faith and pass it on as we started because last, I think the greatest robbery of the century is the robbery of faith. Faith. I don't know about you, but there is, you know, I have strong faith for my salvation, but sometimes I find that, and I look and I see, I think my faith was stronger when I was younger than when now I am older. Because sometimes we've been through so many fights of faith that we're reluctant to fight again. I don't want to get in the ring. I remember, you know. See, you remember the victory, but you don't forget some of the punches. That's just a fact, and they begin to build up in your in your psychic, in your your psychology, in your in, in your mind. And I wanna I wanna have more faith. And so we're talking about you were born a winner. How many know that? You competed. To get here. 
you competed to get here. It was, you know, the greatest swimming Olympics that ever took place. And you won. And God has a destiny for you. You are purposeful as far as God is concerned. Something about faith. Faith expresses a fact about the present affair. Hope is more directed at the future state of affairs. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. So, hope is the architect. Faith is the builder. To try to give you a perspective and understanding. Why do I need hope? Because it's the drawing. It's the layout. It's, you know, what's going to go in the details of what the builder does. By faith, Noah built an ark. Imagine that there would have to be a semblance of architect before, especially when there was no visuals or no images. There was nothing prior to it. It was a first. And so our, our, our main scripture was first, or Romans 15, 13. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that that you by the power of the Holy Spirit, your whole life and outlook may be radiant with hope. Because life is oftentimes filled with a lot of disappointments. And God says, I want to fill your life with a radiant outlook. Praise God. Do we have that one, Andy? We don't have it. Okay. All right. And anyway, it's in your Bible. <laughs> Pull out your iPad or your, your phone and, you know, uh, Romans 15, 13. That, 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 that hope. And then we discovered how important it is in this, in this walk of faith, in this development of hope, you know, that the heart and the tongue should go together. The heart and the tongue should go together. The tongue should be, you know, the uh, interpreter of the heart. And it's when those get divided that we don't have wholeness, completeness. And then when we talk about hope, when we talk about faith, we have to incorporate vision. And vision is not only what you see, but how you see it. And that fits right into our journey here is, you know, what do you see and 
You know, what is it that promotes the sight? Why, how, why do you see that way? You want to find out why we see the way we do, and we want to find out why you see the way that you do. So, anyway, let's get started today on breaking the chains of faithlessness. Wherever Jesus went, he said, and would address their faith. And he would say, according to your faith, let it happen. Be it unto you. In other words, faith preceded the miracle. Faith preceded the results. He spoke of the need for our faith to grow. It's possible to have great faith. How many want great faith today? I do. Because it's connecting with God. See, it's how you see. It's not so much about the miracle, it's about the God of the miracles. We get to enjoy the results, but it is really, you know, a revelation of the one that did the miracle. And that's why faith is so important, because it connects us to not just what God does, but to who God is. So as we move to break the chains of faithlessness, and I say that to myself also, because the one thing I don't like about preaching, and I'll tell you what it is, is that God corners me. I preach it on Sunday, and then he tells, I'll find a situation that I get to use it and get to practice it on Monday. Now, I would like to throw in the towel, but I got too many eyes watching me, so I can't throw in the towel. So the first thing is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. First thing you need to cast off faithlessness is you got to run to win. Don't just run, Paul says. Do you not know that those who run in a race run all but one receives a prize? Run in such a way that you might win. And I've been running for quite a while, and and I just took a look at my running. And I found out that I could do better. He said, you need to run to win. What you're doing and what you're putting into life and... Vision and the goals and the purpose, you know? Are you really excited about it and going with anticipation? Because see, everybody can win in the race because you're, you're not running against each other. 
There are five types of runners I want to share with you this morning as we begin this. Five types of runners. First one is the casual runner. The casual runner runs when the conditions are right, when they feel like it. Feeling okay. Sounds good. Fits me. The casual runner just runs when the conditions are right. And then we have the cautious runner. Cautious runner is different than a runner of wisdom. But invariably, the cautious runner never leaves the starting blocks. Because nothing's ever right. A lot of similarity between the casual and the cautious runner, but, you know, at least the casual runner feels like running once in a while. And the cautious runner, though, just, he can point out all of the why nots without ever seeing the one motivating factor you're just supposed to run. And then you have the compromised runner. The compromised runner. The compromised runner is, is never willing to adjust his life for the race. Never willing to make any kind of sacrifices and, you know, uh, 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 doesn't really put the race at a the run at a high enough level. Present pleasures just seem to always get in the way. And why is this important? Because Paul said this, that the last day that would be a major problem. Now, nobody likes to have fun more than me. Well, maybe some of you do. I don't know how much you like to have fun, but I like to have a lot of fun. and <laughs> I do have fun, you know. Uh, I might not like to have fun in the same area that you like to have fun, but, you know. But he said the last days that, that, that pleasure was going to be, you know what I mean, uh, uh, something that trips people up majorly. That's going to compete with their running. They will have a form of godliness, but they'll deny the power thereof. They're not going to really get committed because something might come up that I want to do or I feel like it's more important. They're not going to commit because, you know, something in the schedule might come up that they like better. And so that runner that just is, always compromises his, his running. Number four is the calloused runner. The calloused runner. Invariably, the calloused runner is a veteran runner. But in all of the races, it's caused him to become cynical and critical. And he or she can point out, you know, how that other runner, wait, they do wrong. Why he doesn't like how they run. You know why they don't win? Why they're in 
such disarray all the time. And it's not the right race. I mean, you know, you're very studious. You understand what I'm saying? That calloused runner. I'm not going to run because I don't like the way they're running. <laughs> Can I meddle just a little bit here? One of the greatest, and I've got the experience and the time, is worship. Worship is part of your running. Hallelujah. It's part of the race. And sometimes we not excited about just the God that we worship, but we're excited about uh, just the song. It has a place. We heard in the conference that what's been happening is we're worshiping worship I won't go into what I heard, but you know, we don't want that to happen. I have my tastes and I have my dislikes, but we all have one God. Hallelujah. Who is worthy to be praised. My wife, you know, she loves to worship. And if you come into her house and she has the music on, the music that she's playing will go back a couple generations. Because she's, you know, filling herself with, you know, that. But when she comes to the house of God, you know, if she's looking forward, because it's not about just us being touched. It's about the future being touched. Somebody help me out here. Give the Lord a praise. I'm not going to go on. There's, this is, it's not a fall thing, Okay. But it's, it's, a, it's a learning curve. It's a learning curve. We don't want to be a calloused runner. But we want to be the last one, a committed runner. A committed runner. This runner is determined to win. And when they put their hands to do a job, they do it, you know what I mean, to make it the best that they can. So as we break the change of faithlessness, we want to just simply, I'm going to run to win. Whatever you do, whatever your hand finds to do, the wise man said, do it with all of your might. It doesn't always have to line up to your talents and your likes. Invariably, you will get to the place of your talents and your likes if you'll just do what your hand finds to do. The next thing Paul says that you need to do to cast off faithfulness is very similar, but now he puts us in a different arena. And he says, you need to fight like it's a real fight. Don't, this is not practice. 
He said, I fight not as one who beats the air. He says, I'm not wasting my energy on the anything in life that doesn't really going to have some eternal purpose of it. I'm not going to fight with no purpose. This is going to be hands-on. Hands-on. Paul wrote to the, the Galatians, and he asked them a question. He said, he said, you did run well, but what's hindered you? Now, in their case, it was some doctrines that began to hinder them. But you know that that isn't all that can hinder a person. Obviously, belief system is very important, and it can keep you on track or get you off track. But sometimes there are things that hinder us. And didn't Romans chapter 1 or 12, verse 1 says, Let us lay aside all the weights and the sins that thus so easily beset us or hinders us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. In order to run to win and continue to run, you're going to have to have a lot of patience. There might be runners in your way. <laughs> Depending on what the race is, the course might not be very conducive or very pleasant. You'll have to develop some skills. It was Colossians that said this, set your affections on things above and not on things of the earth. Because, you know, what is most affectionate to you is going to draw you. Set your affections on things uh, above. The premium in your life needs to be the kingdom of God. The priority in your life needs to be the kingdom of, of God. And Peter writes this, bringing in another angle of it. He said we need to be careful that we have not lost, we've not lost self-control or we're not paying attention. Here's what he says. Be so sober and vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walks around as a roaring lion seeking to whom he may devour. So he's saying Satan will go ahead and take advantage of your lack of self-control. And that's what Paul said. Now remember, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, as he tells us how to run, he goes ahead and says, that's why I have an order. I discipline my body, he says. I have some rules and I have some guidelines. And every runner that is going to run knows that they have to have some rules and guidelines that overcome the... I don't feel like it. You develop disciplines around your life because they are the restraints and the boundaries that direct our life. 
You know, there's so much on, well, that's legalism. No, some things are protectionism. They protect you. So it says, you know, don't dismiss self-control in your life and continually to pay attention. I think that if people went after running the race the way they do weight loss and bodybuilding, whoa. <laughs> I mean, you know, the weight loss person, they weigh themselves every morning. <laughs> they want to find out, you know, where they're at in this thing. Having success, or, you know, what do I need to do to, to adjust this? And the bodybuilder, you know, he's always taking selfies. Right? <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And then I want to I wanna say this, this, this way. How to be a real winner. Do not spend your days fighting the devil. Spend your days doing the love work of the kingdom. Jesus did not spend his days fighting the devil. He had his moments and his occasions. But he just spent his days doing the love work of the kingdom. It says that when he comes around, he said, resist him. Just say, I just don't have any time for you. Hallelujah. So we want to live it out. Number one, as you develop your faith, this is, you know, how to get rid of faithlessness. I want to develop our faith. Understand that God has placed within each one potential, and he gives each one the opportunity to succeed. Stop whining. Stop crying. Stop complaining. Time and chance happens to everybody. Look up Ecclesiastes. Happens to everybody. Psalms 139, 16b paraphrases, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. God has already decided, but you and I, have to discover. And that is, here's the difference between vision and goals. Vision and goals. Goals are simply vision broken down into smaller pieces that are measurable. That are measurable. 
that's encouraging elements along the way. Because the vision doesn't happen overnight and it doesn't develop in one piece, in one process. You are going to go through boot camp and nobody likes boot camp. The soldier signs up. Wait, were you in the service? You like boot camp? No. I wasn't in. My brother Dave was in service. Didn't like boot camp. Nobody likes boot camp. You know, they paint this thing, you know, man, travel the world. And the opportunity to go ahead and have fields of education and but before that destiny becomes reality, there's boot camp. But it's necessary because it prepares you for your greater future. And so in boot camp, you need to have vision. Because vision gives you the present, or vision gives the present physical discomfort meaning and purpose. I got to get it right. It gives pain a purpose. Because you see, without vision, you will choose the path of least resistance. <coughs> of least resistance. That's why you got to have vision. Don't become dissatisfied because dissatisfaction is not the absence of things, it's the absence of vision. It's the absence of vision. If, you're on, if you know you're on your way to something, if you can see what is before you like Jesus did, he said, who for the joy that was set before him endured boot camp. That's right. I'm trying to get modern terminology. All right. You must see the joy out in front of you. Then you are able to handle the requirements of the present. He was rejected. He was accused. He was spat upon. I mean, you name it. It says he endured the cross, despising the shame. He said, it's not even going to affect me because there's a joy in my future. There is a result in my future that overrides the turmoil of the present. Hallelujah. So, Believe. 
you know, they use the word believe in yourself. In, in, you know, that's not all there is to it, but you must believe in yourself because God believes in you. You cannot disconnect from your creator. You cannot disconnect from your savior. Hell, and be fulfilled, you can reach your goals. <coughs> Cherish the dreams and hopes God has given you for their, your life. They are like children birthed in you. Cherish them because they're children in you. Did you know that faith is first a seed before it is a tree? And it's really not a tree, it's a herb. You know what I mean? But it grows so big that it gives reference to, you know, the size of it as a tree. But it is first a seed. And it grows. And so the dream that's been placed there It's like a child birthed in you. And divine positioning starts with your attitude. This is not psychology. This is biblical. They just happen to call it psychology. God calls it Bible. It's design, a divine positioning. The first step is attitude. It's divine positioning is not just in your work or your business. It is in your heart. And I don't know if you have witnessed that in your life, but I'm going to stand here and tell you how I have witnessed that in my own life. I have, Jill. I've been born and raised. God has been... Mine, you know, from the beginning. But he has been positioning my heart in my attitude. He said you might be old, but you can still run, so run to win. You might want to retire, but you can't retire, so run to win. Oh, I thought we were going to get rid of him. <laughs> <laughs> it's an attitude that comes to the conclusion and a deep awareness in your heart that God really is in control. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it the springs of life as a man thinks in his heart so is he position your attitude develop a winner's attitude it affects your beliefs it affects your feelings it affects your values it affects your disposition it causes you to act in a certain way 
It says in Proverbs 15 and 15, he who, he who is of a merry heart has a continual feast. We just need more of Jesus. I mean, you can get a merry heart quite a few different ways, I understand. <laughs> I've noticed a few people, <laughs> you know? They got merry hearts in, in, in different, different ways. I mean, they just, you know, the wake-up is not that great. <laughs> but, but an attitude, an attitude. You know, sometimes you got to have a fight attitude. Sometimes you got to have a win attitude. Sometimes you need to have a peaceful attitude. Other times you need to have a patient attitude. I'm going to take you to a story, and i got to close. Because okay, I'm not even close, but close enough, Karen. <laughs> Come on. All right. A story that, it, to me, it touched my heart, but I never saw it, an angle of it. And that is the story of Hannah. Hannah... 1 Samuel, chapter 1, Elkanah wanted a child. The Bible says that she was barren. She couldn't have children. And notice this relationship that it allures to. You know, it says that her husband, when they would go up to the temple, that he would give her a double portion. In other words... He, he gave a double portion. He, he gave her the extra just like she had a son. That's what a double portion is, all right? That he treated her though she had a son. And while I understand her agony, I understand, you know, her pain, it was really t- tough for her husband <laughs> because she was really in agony. Now, she was praying, too, but she was... <laughs> I mean, what would we do it? We pray to God and we nag our spouse. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> you know, and, and she was just so intent. And he's, to the point he says, am I not better than, you know, ten sons? Aren't I being good to you? She has prayed a number of years at the altar at the temple. She has. Every year they went up, she's prayed. And one year she goes, God, if you will give me a son, I'll give him to you all of his life. Her attitude changed in her prayer. It was no longer about her fulfillment, but it was about something that she didn't even know, but in her prayers, all of a sudden, her attitude is changing and she is connecting with the desire of God. 
Because while she wanted a son, God wanted a replacement for the priesthood. Sometimes delays are just simply that. Is alignment so that the purpose is greater than just your fulfillment. Somebody give the Lord a praise. Whoa. Hallelujah. I place you there not just so you can make more money, but so that you can be have a greater voice for me, be more effective for me. I need somebody. So he knows that Eli's days are limited. And Eli's sons do not qualify to be his replacement. So he says, I got to get somebody who will have a holy, honorable, and wonderful, you know, in God-designed request. But that'll say, if you want it, it's yours, Lord. And God just happened to take her upon it, didn't he? But she had an attitude. She says, you know what? God, I, I really want this, but I'm giving it to you. So we stand this morning, and whoa. Now, here's what'll happen. Here's what'll happen when you align with God. She didn't only have Samuel, but she had three sons and two daughters. Hallelujah. Yeah. Just one alignment opened up favor over her life. You know, church, when I talk about positioning, sometimes we think, well, maybe it's an, you know, some recognizable office or whatever. It might not be. But if it's God's placement, it is a divine placement. It is an important placement. Let me read this prophetic word that I have. I have not shared it with you. A year of divine positioning. It's a year of opportunity to start over. Some need to start over. It's been not successful. God is a new beginning God. I, I, how many times I've failed God? You wouldn't probably have me as your pastor if you know I was such a failure. But I started over. Please don't run around saying any bad things about me. (laughs) 
as you go, according to God's voice, you're going to find the provision there. Sometimes we're always waiting for the provision. You'll find the provision there. God said to Abraham, Abraham says, where's the sacrifice? Or your son said, where's the sacrifice? Where's the sacrifice? Abraham, God said, God will provide it. He didn't see the ram caught in the thicket until he was on the mountaintop performing the work and the duties and the ram appeared. So there's a provision. Your ram is caught in the thicket. Things that used to paralyze you now are going to motivate you. God's saying, don't fear. He's not saying, you know, be foolish, but don't fear. Though I'm with you always. Don't fear. The challenge, you got to work on it. It's hard. You might got fear under on Monday and Tuesday it shows back up with all kinds of little brothers but start with positioning your attitude and God will position you do you hear the thunder does your spirit hear the thunder I'm hearing the thunder. I am. I'm not only hearing it for, for, for myself, for various individuals. I, I, I'm just hearing it for every one of you. I'm not just believing it. I must believe it, but I'm just hearing it. There is thunder. that, And God is trying to tell us, hallelujah, that he is... He knows, and there's more. Give the Lord a praise this morning. He is, he knows, and there's more. Praise God. Father, we thank you. We go in your lovely name and blessed name and thank you for this people. Bless their weak God. Hallelujah. Let let the enemy under their feet this week in a special way in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless. Thank you for listening to this message from Bible Center Church. For more information, you can find us online at www.biblectr.org. You can also connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com slash biblectr.org.